You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man Tom Ryle. And your boy, Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow him, of course, at Tom Ryle BTB. And you can follow all the great content at Blogging the Boys on Twitter or bloggingtheboys.com. Make sure you subscribe to all the fantastic podcasts as we're now pumping out not one, but two a day for you here on Blogging the Boys and the Podcast Network. And make sure you subscribe to all that fantastic content. And boy, Tom, uh, Another example of how the Cowboys always give us something to get riled up about. This week, coming off crowning of a Super Bowl champion, a quarterback who joined a team for the first time, being surrounded by what many deem to be capable talent, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, and Matt Stafford, Highland Park's own, winds up winning a Super Bowl in his very first year with the Los Angeles Rams. The parade, not really kind of what you would expect. (laughs) based on uh, the city of Los Angeles. But again, we still are in uh, COVID times, perhaps. It made me think how fun it would ever be if we could have a parade in Dallas to make that happen. But, you know, as we have discussed, since the season ended for them, it feels like they're further away than how I felt they were in the middle of the season. And not that this isn't a familiar feeling in the offseason for the Dallas Cowboys, because we've always gone into the offseason feeling down about the way things went. But after what you have detailed and what you have done such an excellent job of exploring in regards to how the Cowboys' failures have continued and very likely will continue into the future, boy, um, for those listening – Get ready for this podcast because you're going to need to strap yourself in and you might want to get a heavy beverage to uh, keep you some company. Yeah, it was. This is the time of year when we ought to be talking about things like the group reports that Kyler Murray went to the uh, Arizona Cardinals and demanded that they want to keep him as their quarterback, that they trade with the Cowboys to get C.D. Lamb. That's the kind of thing where I'd be looking at, trying to figure out if it was real or not. And then if it was real or not, whether there was some possible trade package that we could put together, because, you know, I could see if maybe they sent us DeAndre Hopkins, we could do something like that. Yeah, you know, and by the way, I anticipate we will discuss that here on this very pod, but it's not the first thing that needs to be discussed. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's drowned out this week because we didn't have one just incredible occurrence, mind-boggling thing that happened. We had two almost back-to-back. And when I was putting together the thoughts for this podcast and the article that is linked to it, I realized that this is just a continuation of some things that have been going on that have just suddenly snowballed. And the the common thread they all have is certain people in the upper levels of management with the Cowboys, all of whom coincidentally happen to be named Jones, are just highly dysfunctional and don't seem to know what they're doing and somehow seem to be able to take a maybe difficult situation and just make it worse. Of course, what we're referencing here 
in the two events that took place this week, one of which the ESPN article that came out alleging that the Cowboys paid a secretive $2.4 million settlement to effectively bury an allegation that was made against Rich Dalrymple, their VP, right? The guy you have to talk to if you want to get involved with any of the Joneses, specifically speak to Jerry. Well, for that part of it, we've already done a deep dive here at Blogging the Boys. RJ Ochoa and uh, Gianna Davis have you covered on that, and they will be able to go through all that for you on a separate pod, right? If you want to get into that part of it, more than happy to send you in their direction because that was one stunner. But the other stunner was, quite frankly, the back and forth that took place effectively between Jerry Jones and his head coach over the last couple of days that seemingly, again, indicates and reiterates how dysfunctional this entire program really is. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bizarre thing because I'm trying to think of a situation where there was a head coach that there were no real active indications that the team was going to move on from the head coach where he and the owner or GM, which in this case is one of the same person with the Cowboys were openly feuding with each other in the media. Um, and it wasn't the head coach that started all this either. Uh, as people are probably very well aware, uh, Jerry Jones, a uh, couple weeks ago, first, he started making these odd statements about Mike McCarthy. First, it was the whole not really endorsing him, giving him a very wishy-washy comment about his stability. Then the convoluted talk about pumping up Dan Quinn as a replacement for Mike McCarthy and claiming that somehow that was, you know, fourth dimensional chess to try to keep Dan Quinn in Dallas, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. And there's just all these things, which, you know, we were just trying to puzzle it out and hoping it was just Jerry blathering mindlessly or under the influence or whatever. Uh, and that it would all just go away. And then, Lo and behold, Monday, Mike McCarthy went on the radio in an interview, uh, not on the radio. He went on the Rich Eisen show on the NFL Network, rather. And he just fired back. And he said he had never been in a situation like this. Um, spoke about the fact uh, of how, you know, Dan Quinn even came to him and said, look, man, you want me to move on? Kind of indicating that Dan Quinn did actually have an offer that he could have taken. Um, it's something we dove into in, in a, a great detail uh, in the live stream that went up on Tuesday night and is available as uh, you can go to YouTube and watch it or catch the podcast for the audio. But the, the main thing about it is, is that this was just such an incredible case of just dragging out something that should take place in the offices of the people involved. There should be a meeting, maybe closed door, maybe several, you know, closed door between the owner and the head coach, maybe three or four other people in there. But sit down there and talk about it. If, you, if you're going to put Mike McCarthy on notice that, okay, this is a make or break here, then you sit down. You explain to him, okay, this is what we're looking We're looking for a certain level of success. Here are the expectations. Here are perhaps some things we would like to see you explore. Let Mike McCarthy give you his plan for going forward. But come to an understanding, don't spread that out. Don't put that out in the media. And it wasn't even a case of a leak. It was just going out there and grabbing the megaphone and shouting it to the world. And while some may say Mike McCarthy should have just kept his mouth shut, um, I tend to kind of support him. I'm glad I he think did. He, I'm glad. I he think that was time to stand up and say, "Look, uh, you ain't going to bully me around. I'm tired of this, and we need to come to a, a better understanding of how this is going to be." And basically, I think he's trying to take claim of the team. So that if this is indeed a make or break year, he has the, the freedom and 
the authority to do what it takes in his mind to make it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep this thing kind of in the back of my head all season because you hear all about that and it suddenly becomes conceivable that Mike McCarthy might take the decision in Nigeria's hands and say, I can't work like this and I might have to go. I don't think that's totally inconceivable at all. And, and in fact, if he were to do that, I would have a lot more respect for him in doing so. Because one of the things that Jerry has been adamant about trying to convince Cowboys fans of over the last, I would say, two decades is that he learned from the mistakes he made while Bill Parcells was the head coach, that perhaps he left him too early or that, uh, you know, he got rid of him too early when everything was working. And Bill Parcells, quite honestly, is the last coach the Cowboys had that was willing to stand up to Jerry. And tell him, mm-hmm. no, this isn't the way that it needs to be done. It needs to be done this way, and this is why. So for those reasons, anybody that invokes that type of combative nature against Jerry and against the jo- Joneses, especially publicly, I'm more inclined to back that individual, right? I feel better about Mike McCarthy as the head coach now. In fact, he's the only part of the Cowboys that I feel better about going into 2022 than I did two weeks ago. If that makes sense, I, I find myself, it's odd to hear myself even saying that, but if I'm being honest, that is the way I feel about it. I'm, I'm very glad that he ultimately spoke up about it. Will it change the way that the Joneses act about it? Absolutely not. But at least he said something publicly. Yeah. I'm like you. I do see that positive I do see McCarthy in that in a bit of a positive light because of it. Um, at least he's trying to deliver a wake up call. Um, but he's facing the very culture that the Joneses have inculcated. Uh, they love the media attention. They love their celebrity status. They love the fact that when they speak, everybody in the NFL media stops not just the Dallas media as it is for some owners perhaps, but ESPN, NFL Network, you know, various, various other things, uh, you know, Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports, you know, they all lock in, cover it, get that, you know, attention. Oh, I used to produce notoriety. the morning show that would interview Jerry Jones and – the amount of requests we would get, I mean, people knew he came on Tuesday mornings and the amount of requests we would get around the country. Hey, can we get the Jerry audio as soon as it's available? Fox sports, ESPN, CBS sports, every major outlet wanted that audio and wanted it as quickly as they could get their hands on it because they knew there was going to be something that Jerry alluded to speculated about said directly that, was going to be headline-making, almost never in favor of the Cowboys, ultimately from an organizational Mm -hmm. standpoint, but always keeping them in the conversation. And, you know, the problem really, at least an additional layer to the problem, I guess, because this thing is like an onion. You just keep peeling them back and finding more, Mm -hmm. is that it's not just Jerry. Stephen Jones is less flamboyant about it. He certainly doesn't have the ability to, to pull some bizarre, colorful, country-fied phrase like circumcising mosquito out of his hip pocket the way his father does. But he loves to get on the radio or whatever and stir things up just as much as his dad does. As we saw just a few days before, when Jones was talking about Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper and how the size of their contract was causing a problem with the salary cap. Now, the Cowboys long ago were one of the pioneers in proving, hey, salary cap hell is something of a myth. 
There are ways to juggle this stuff. You can structure these contracts. There are loopholes and dodges and ways you can get around this and keep your team going really without being that hampered at all. But for some reason in recent years, uh, you know, Stephen had a, 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 you know, a revelation on the road to Canton or something and is a convert now to the, he, he firmly believes that the salary cap is real and, you know, influ- must influence every decision you make uh, with, without fail. And it is the ultimate and everything. So here we have now the Cowboys, not only do they have their head coach upset, but two of their best players are like, wait, what, what you talking about me for? You know, these guys are just out there trying to do their job. And all of a sudden they're being told, well, we really don't know if you're worth it to the team. Now, that's a great approach to take, especially if you might want to maybe try going in. And if you wanted to do something like trying to get them to take a pay cut, which I don't think I would take, but maybe you want to do a, a, a instead of a restructure, you want to try extending someone. That's a great way to free up some cap space. Yeah, well, I ain't going to want to talk to you about anything. And, you know, you're just poisoning the well down downstream. Now, admittedly, when if another contract were to come up when their current ones uh, expire and the Cowboys water them back, it, it really comes down to dollars and cents. But still, why do you want to create this dissatisfaction among your players? Um, and, and it's... To me, it reflects something of a big underlying problem behind all this stuff. The Joneses think of running a football organization as a balance sheet. It's all about money. It's all about dollars and cents before they think about what does it take to win football games. And as a result, they've taken away from the guys who are worried about how to win football games, the coaches and the scouting staff, and they're keeping that power to themselves and making decisions that are counterproductive. Um, It's this push-pull tension that I'm mystified by. I don't get it. And I think it's just, you know, it's part of – I think the Joneses still – are convinced they are the smartest guys in the room and they know what to do, but you know, it it, it didn't feel that way when everything they touch from a business standpoint does turn to gold, right? As we're bashing them for what they do from a football standpoint, they can do no wrong financially or otherwise, whether you start, with what they did several years ago when they moved their operations to Frisco, bought all the land around it, and now it's in and of itself worth multi-millions of dollars hosting big you know, college basketball tournaments there at the Ford Center, high school championships, and making buku money along the way in rental incomes just from the businesses that are inhabiting around it, right? It's its own little ecosystem there in, yeah, but that's, in Frisco. But what does that have to do with winning football games, you ask, Tom? Yeah. Nothing. It doesn't. Yeah. But how much time have they invested in it? How many resources have they invested in it? Well, they're get, and they're getting a return off of their resources outside of football. Mm-hmm. But they suffer from the same fallacy you see like actors and, and other artists have who happen to be very good at their craft that are very talented but somehow thinks that qualifies them to talk about stuff that they have absolutely no understanding of, like science. And, and you know, you know you, I'm sure everyone can think of some examples of people that trot out statements that show that they don't really grasp, you know, basic things like what they should have learned in eighth grade chemistry and stuff. But it's, 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 that's what's going on with the Joneses because everything – they touch turns to gold in their bank account. They somehow think that means that they can figure out how to make this team win on the field. And unfortunately, in some cases, they are actually counterproductive. They're doing the opposite of what needs to be done to win on the field. And I think that goes based on some, 
circumstantial evidence, admittedly. I think we saw that happening on the field last year. Um, the now prime this part example, I may push back on you on. Not to say fine. that I disagree with your your theory. I just don't. I mean, I, I just want to. I got to hear someone saying that to that yeah. extent. I got to hear someone yeah. saying that, knowing that hey, it wasn't the Cowboys coaches who thought. Look, we still have a better chance out there with Zeke than we do with Tony Pollard. Well, that that is why I said this is circumstantial, because. As has has came out after the season, Ezekiel Elliott um, tore his uh, PCL, a partial tear, uh, apparently running into that pylon on the sidelines. Now, he was off to a pretty good start to the season, and he just really wasn't the same. He didn't have good games the way he had those first few games of the season. He was off to a really strong start. Uh, at least, you know, he was putting up some some 100-yard games, I think, uh, in the first month of the season, and then it all went downhill. Mm-hmm. Yet, he stayed the starter throughout. The Cowboys, the Cowboys were having the same problem that the Rams had during the Super Bowl, and that's they were tr- continuing to run on first down and not getting anywhere. They were getting themselves behind the curve behind the sticks. They were getting, you know, one or two yards if they got positive yards at all and setting up second long and just making it harder to convert on that series. And, and yet the, the balance between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard was still basically a, a two thirds, one third thing where Elliott was getting, about twice as many touches as Pollard, despite the fact that when Pollard got his hands on the ball, more positive things happened. He was averaging, I think, in some way, I think about uh, two yards more per touch. Oh, you, I mean, point. you look at all the analytical numbers, obviously they're heavily in Tony Pollard's favor. But I, I just say I think anybody with the ability to actually watch a football game understood that, in the back end of the season and per, primarily throughout the season, right after that first kind of five game stretch that you mentioned where he did have three performances of 95 yards or more from Ezekiel Elliott, he didn't do that the rest of the season. And from that point on, Tony Pollard was clearly the more dynamic weapon and they mm-hmm. just underutilized him. Now, I mean, again, I'd love to know at what point they knew he had a torn PCL. Cause if that news is going to come out at the end of the season, I got to understand that the coaching staff knew that early on. So well, if- I, 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 I will go on a limb and I'll guarantee they knew that week after he injured it because oh, yes. they did MRIs and all that stuff. So yeah, oh, yes. they knew this. So, so there's no doubt they knew very early on, which is why that, that idea, I mean, that may be the most damning of all of them, because if the Joneses did have any influence on his playing time, knowing that he was injured, then that doesn't, say to me that you're most interested in winning football games and in fact it really i I don't know what it says to me at all to be honest with you because there's absolutely no value in it once you've paid him for the year of the contract that you're in it's done you're not getting that money back so whether he plays a hundred percent of the snaps or five percent of the snaps it won't make a bit of difference in your pocketbook but what and it may yet, make a difference in, and what we saw that it made a difference <laughs> in, is is their dynamic dynamicism on the football field. And and I will, I'm going back here. There was a case I can't remember which player it was, although it might have been Des Bryant, who was playing through an injury, and there were questions asked about you know why they were there, and I believe Jerry Jones basically came out and said. I'm not going to let a guy that's making that much money sit on the bench. So there is a genesis to all this. Mm. Maybe some of the people that have been around as long as I have and have much better memories can recall that, that what that was about. But I do think there is some supporting evidence from the past and what we saw last season that makes me think that could have happened. But the next thing 
that I looked at <laughs> definitely goes back to the Joneses. In this case, we're going back to Stephen this time. He, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Demarcus Lawrence, and Dak Prescott have some things in common. All of them got involved in some very acrimonious negotiations for the, their contracts that they're currently on. All of them wanted big money, hmm. all faced some real hardball talk and very public negotiations from Stephen Jones, just as like he started now with, with Lawrence and Cooper already. All of them eventually backed Jones down and got their big payday, often by using just there was just a lot of pressure. People were saying, you've got to get something done with these people. And, you know, the seasons were closing in and they had to have something sorted out. And all of them are part of that same salary cap puzzle that Stephen Jones is incessantly griping about. Um, he seems to think he is this really great negotiator. And yet he keeps self-inflicting all these problems on the team about the salary cap. You know, he's like he builds his own problem and then complains about the problem being there um you know we we there's other places you see that and i won't go into that because we're getting off topic but he's also done something that really makes you have to think wonder what he was thinking the other players were watching this they know that if they get the cowboys kind of backed up a little bit in the corner steven's going to cave They've seen it happen repeatedly. And this only applies to the big names, the top talents, but they know this. And, you know, the Cowboys might be trying to work something out with a guy who could command some big dollars as a free agent like Randy Gregory. And you think he's going to be able be wanting to give him a real team-friendly deal when he knows he can cash in? Yeah, he's very grateful to the Cowboys for giving him this chance, but this is his livelihood. This is his one chance, probably, to really punch his ticket, to really get that bag. And he's going to be looking for a big bag. And he's not going to believe Stephen Jones. More importantly, his agent's not going to believe Stephen Jones when Stephen says, I'm drawing a line in the sand. The guy's going to reach out and rub that out with his foot and says, okay, try again. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's going to happen. It is that soft. And that's another, that's a part that feels like an erosion with the Cowboys, but perhaps it's always kind of been there. Um, even when Jerry was thought to be the main decision maker. And I think that all kind of ended in the Johnny Manziel draft, right? When they ultimately, when he was overruled to take Zach Martin, I think that was the beginning of the end of Jerry's, 
you know, ability to wholly overthrow and overwrite anybody else's decision-making process within the organization. But even back in those days when Jerry was the primary negotiator, there were times when he was getting bent over a barrel on a regular basis. Um, oh, it goes big. I think of the Miles back. Austin contract in, in that respect a little bit. Oh, it, it started with Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at history, people were just amazed at what Jerry paid, paid Dion because Jerry thought he was what was going to put him over the hump for the Super Bowl. And, you know, he might have been right because they signed Dion and wound up winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you think that that's entirely possible, but hey, that's a nice segue into the other thing because that was maybe the biggest free agent hire that the Cowboys ever made yet. And they've, they've done it in the past, but as has become very well known because Stephen Jones has gotten up on behind his little lectern and told us repeatedly the philosophy for the Cowboys is they're going to build through the draft and home grow their own talent and, Free agency is basically just to go out and sign low-cost, team-friendly free agents to plug holes, not to get you a winner out there, but get somebody that hopefully is not just going to flat-out lose you the game. That's really – they're just looking replacement-level people. They're not looking for upgrading very much because upgrading in free agency costs money, and they treat draft picks like they're some kind of gold. you know, the last really big trade they made was the Amari Cooper trade, which was a, a surprising move, and yet they were desperate. Uh, there was no receiving core for the Cowboys at that point, and uh, they brought him in, and all of a sudden the Cowboys had somebody Dak Prescott could throw to. Uh, but basically, they don't like to give up first-round picks. They usually don't trade out. I would argue they've been more willing to give up first round picks to get a player than they have been willing to sign a big name player. And the argument I would make there, right? Roy Williams and Amari, both wide receivers who they traded a first rounder for, in some cases, you know, more than that. But when I think about on the flip side, the biggest free agent signings that the Cowboys have had over the last 15 years, pick your brain and tell me the name that sticks out to you. The one that I think of high priced wise, Greg Hardy. And that was just because he had the potential to make a whole lot of money. If he wound up playing, of course he got hit with a 10 game suspension and wound up really being nothing for them. Um, I also think of car. Sorry? Brandon Carr. Well, was Brandon Carr signed as a free agent by the Cowboys? Yeah, I believe so. He was uh, well, He was actually – there was a perception that it was the fact that he didn't work out after they went and spent money on him as a free agent, that that's what soured Stephen Jones so much on the whole process. You know, free agency is a bit of a gamble. You've got about a, a – I think somebody said it's about a 33% chance of hitting. And, you know. Brandon Carr is the biggest Cowboys free agent signing in the last 15 years. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the Uh, biggest. I agree with you. That's probably the biggest name you can, I can come up with. But the the Cowboys really want to just roll in with their draft picks. uh, And like I said, these, uh, you know, off-the-street free agencies and put together a winning roster that way. Nobody that's won the Super Bowl lately has done it like that. I mean, we all know what that the Rams went out and just threw a lot at the Lions to get Matthew Stafford. Um, you well, know, let's talk about they had the Bucks. Up- what are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about to be if Tom Brady's on his way out? But they got yeah. the ring. Yeah, and you just go back. There's There's – Somebody that was acquired as a free agent or in a kind of a blockbuster trade that helped every one of those teams. 
back for probably a decade. Uh, you know, you'd have to dig. There might be an exception, but almost always they teams use a mix, um, except for the Rams that have pretty much decided that they don't need no stinking first round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if you did, go, you see the, did you see the shirt that their owner wore to their parade? No, I didn't. He wore a shirt that literally said F those picks. <laughs> that's and see that's the problem that's the mentality not, we need f them picks yeah and and it's it's not just just it shouldn't just be a blanket yeah we don't care about them it's that you should be flexible and look at what work what can work and especially study how other people are doing it. i don't think the joneses want to study what other people are doing because once again they think they're the smartest dudes in the room. You know, the only person they quit, they, they, they'll even consider not being as smart as them is the one they're related to, you know, and they know they're both smarter than Jerry jr. So, uh, you know, uh, I think they're all a little bit suspicious that uh, Charlotte Jones might be the smartest of all of them. Oh, she's damn sure the smartest one. I just (laughs) wish she had any interest in taking over the football operation side of it. She doesn't seem to be, too interested in that based on the the very limited conversations I've had with her. But uh, yeah, didn't mean to name drop there, but I did ask her about that at one point. And she said she was very happy doing what she's doing on the business side of things, right? Maybe that's why that part of it is run so well. Or maybe she's just so very diplomatic. She might be one that was smart enough that if it did fall on her, she might say, yeah, I'm going to be the owner, but I'm going to hire me a real GM and kind of let them do their job. Which could be the smartest thing of all, to tell you the truth. The problem is we're, we're not going to see anything like that. We've yeah. got, you know, uh, you know I, I talked about the fact that Cooper was the last blockbuster kind of trade. And now what are they doing? They're talking about moving on from him because of cap space. And that's become the face of way too many draft picks. You don't see a lot of guys get their second contract with Dallas. Uh, you know, looks like Leighton Vanderish isn't. Haven't uh, seen a lot of guys earn it, though, to be truthful. Yeah, Haven't seen a lot of guys true. earn their second contract with the Cowboys. I think of the ones that are kind of up for one now. Lyle Collins, has he earned a second contract? Uh-uh. Blaine Vanderesh, has he earned a second contract? Not probably to the extent that he's wanting. Um, it kind of raises the question of are they really drafting as well as we think? And well, then you have the then you have the cases like a certain Chidobe Awuzie. Wasn't he with the Cowboys and they didn't give him a second contract? And wasn't he playing mm-hmm. last Sunday? And by the way, his contract wasn't unreasonable. Three years no. for $22 million. No, 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 no. That's, that's doable. But again, this is where we go back to, and I, I did take a quick peek at DallasCowboy.com's top 10 free agent signings all time. I think the most recent name on their list, Darren McFadden. And Darren that's McFadden. That's a blast from the past. Right, that feels like a huge. I bet you probably didn't even. A lot of people probably forgot that Darren McFadden even played for the Cowboys. It seems like it was so long ago, and we had we had some hopes for him that didn't pan out. I do remember, mm-hmm. but and boy, that yeah. was only just five years ago. But even still, right? I don't consider him to be a a top ten free agent signing in Cowboys history because his only impact came from the fact that. You know, they were without a running back at that time in a, in a really bad Cowboys season. But all that being said, the other names on the list, I mean, Dion, Leroy Glover, I think, is on, was on that list. Um, offensive lineman from the mid-90s. It, it's, like, shocking to think that they haven't really had a, an impact player that they've added, especially when, as you mentioned, you know, they play the game in the media of how much cap hell exists 
and yet they've got an opportunity to turn a $21 million cap overage right now, which is what they need to get under, to a $73 million surplus based on the triggers that they have available to them, according to overthecap.com. Yeah. It's the now, I'll second... agree they should they shouldn't pull all of those triggers. Yeah, sure. I saw that. I saw the 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 page that they put together at OTC, which was mm-hmm. real useful. But yeah, what we're just seeing time after time, for some reason, as I've sat down to put stuff together for blogging the boys, the word dysfunction just keeps coming up in my head. And what is becoming clearer and clearer is that the dysfunction is all happening in the executive offices. Uh, It's coming from the top. They, it's almost like if they don't have a problem with something, they're going to go out and stir it up. Uh, You know, I don't know how else to explain what's going on with Mike McCarthy or with the Lawrence and Cooper things. No reason at all to do that but here we are we've got all this stuff and given the facts that ownership of the cowboys is going to be hereditary and they seem to be as we've seen with jerry and steven they seem to raise them to do it the way they did it kind of this could go on for decades and that's not a real happy thought how lucky we are to be Cowboys fans and be contemplating the, the long storied history of a franchise that now may be permanently hindered by an ownership that uh, is not going away anytime soon. Well, I'll circle back to one of the original mentions we had at the beginning of this pod, some actual football news to discuss or at least to ponder over and that is the story that came out of Arizona regarding Kyler Murray so for those who haven't followed it Kyler Murray into a little bit of a back and forth with the organization there's been rumors and and leaks that have been spread from inside the organization that say Kyler is a selfish individual that he doesn't have a whole lot of friends on the team and then a report came out earlier this week from an Arizona reporter stating that Kyler Murray had a meeting with Arizona Cardinals brass and effectively laid out his demands in order to be interested in re-signing with them when his contract comes up in a couple of years. One of those demands specifically was that he wanted to play again with his former teammate at Oklahoma, CeeDee Lamb. And he demanded, according to this report, that the Arizona Cardinals find some way to trade to get CeeDee Lamb into an Arizona Cardinals uniform. Now there's a couple of intriguing pieces here that I think at least are worth having a conversation over whether or not we ultimately decide to trade CD is kind of irrelevant. Cause I think it is a decision that will not be made quite frankly. But if we were to speculate, Tom, is there any package that the Cardinals could put together that would have you interested in listening to potentially giving away C.D. Lamb, the number 17 overall pick from two seasons ago. The Cardinals, for reference, have the 23rd overall pick in this year's NFL draft. Well, is... Ah, the Cowboys are short on draft picks, and given the way C.D. CD performed last season, 23rd... 23rd might be a good value for him. Now, if they want to throw in DeAndre Hopkins, I'm all for it. Let's well, just jump on now that we get into yeah. real opportunities, right? <laughs> Keep in mind with DeAndre, just signed a two-year extension with the Arizona Cardinals, making about 27 per year. Yeah. $54 million, two-year deal. So if you trade for DeAndre Hopkins as a part of that deal, then you almost, I think, have to say goodbye to Amari as a part of that, yeah. right? Now, would you trade Amari and CD for a combination of DeAndre Hopkins, a first-round draft pick in 2022, and perhaps either another player, maybe a safety like Buda Baker, or perhaps a draft pick into the future? Would that be a trade worth considering? Because yeah. from my standpoint, 
I have confidence that Dak Prescott is going to find his way back into the good graces of Cowboy fandom like he was two years ago. Um, last season obviously was rough, but I think a little bit of that had to do with as much of the game plan as it did with Dak's mental you know, issues that he was struggling through, right? Obviously the fatigue of, of rehabbing his game and, and getting himself back to a position where he could compete at the highest level. But I expect Dak Prescott to bounce back from a season in which I will remind you was a historic season from a Cowboys quarterback standpoint, um, historically terrific season from a Cowboys quarterback standpoint. So I feel comfortable that like he may not necessarily have to have the absolute, absolute best talent all the way around him to elevate players. If they are given the opportunity, I think Dalton Schultz is a good example of that. Although I guess on the counter to that, I would say Cedric Wilson never turned into the type of number three that we might have hoped he would be when Michael Gallup was out for the season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. To me, it all comes down to are they really, would they really be willing to, to part ways with both CD and Amari? Because if they were entertaining an idea of shipping CD off or whatever they could get, I almost think they have to find a way to keep Amari around just to make sure they've got someone in the wide receiver room to build around. Because uh, a lot of people are saying, well, if you've got C.D. Lamb, maybe you can afford to move on from Lamar. Well, well, if you okay, get DeAndre you back, right, don't you have that? <sighs> if, you get, if you get Nuke back, you have that piece to build around. Yeah, I just, I just don't know if the, uh, the Cardinals would be willing to sign up for that. Sure. I think would Hopkins you, though? Would you? If they said yes, I'll give you DeAndre Hopkins, but you got to give me Amari, you got to give me C.D., and I'll throw in a first-round pick as well. Would you do that deal? Because I think that I would. I don't think I would refuse it out of hand. Uh, I'd have to go back, have to look real hard at, okay, what's there that we need? Uh, because you could, I believe that would sure. be the Cowboys having back-to-back picks in the first round, which they would mm-hmm. kind of useful. You know, it means you got, you can, you can address two, two, two things. Uh, maybe. Uh, haven't yeah, I really don't know what the wide receiver class is shaping up as maybe another you can potential get a trade ship because the other part is and yeah. I think of it a little bit like the stock market, right? Um, when quarterly projections come out, the stock market typically makes massive moves one way or the other, right? With NFL draft picks, after the season is over, the value of a draft pick, you could argue rises by about 50% of what that draft pick is worth during the season. And that's because it is the next event, the next opportunity for a team to improve upon itself, right? So to acquire a draft pick before that ever gets running, and then to have that draft pick just to hold it for the next month and a half, I think it, it almost gains in value as you get closer to the draft, if that makes sense. I I think the draft is almost a, a quarterly report in regards to the stock market. If I can, continue with that analogy yeah uh yeah i don't i think it's all just a little smoke and mirrors anyway i I don't think the cardinals are gonna accede to that well damn it Uh, tom i'm i am the cardinals gm i'm (laughs) saying i'm doing it are you doing it (sighs) you tell me no right now tom you tell me no or i fight you (laughs) Yeah, I just don't think I'm willing to take that okay, chance. That's I what think I mean. there's other that's, ways to go. I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. Now, I'm just, you know, I'm willing to put them on the table. No, I don't mean to excite you. I kid. But in, in all sincerity, right, that's the beauty of a, of a sports debate like that to me is that you can't have two people on both sides. You can have two reasonable people disagree and find themselves on opposite ends because we're all trying to find the best way to make the Cowboys a little bit better. And – Quite honestly, we're having the conversations that we hope are being had inside that building on a daily basis. Unfortunately, again, based on what you've heard here today, you probably don't have a lot of faith that those conversations are happening, do you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope not a lot happens. You know, we're, we are going to be off for a couple of weeks and uh, just taking a little break. 
Oh, you uh, know something's going to happen big over the next two yeah. weeks. It may force us back in, but yes, Tom and I, uh, we do have families that we like to take care of. We do have some other interests that we'd like to get into. And it's not that we don't love the pod. We absolutely do, but we've got some very capable individuals that are going to be filling in for us. And we'll be back just before free agency begins. So do not fret on that front. Uh, of course, please reach out to us. If you have any thoughts, uh, we appreciate any reviews, ratings that you give us there on the website. Uh, all that stuff helps and continues to allow us to make the best content for you out there that's possible. So shout out to all the folks that have reached out to us on Twitter and said hello. Um, of course, you can make sure you find all the podcasts here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Download them, Apple, Spotify, uh what am I missing, Tom? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others that I'm always missing about iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, right? If you're a podcast yeah. person, you obviously found this somehow. Just keep going to that same site that you found us at and you'll be good. <laughs> um, with or that just said, go, I was going to say, or go to Blocking the Boys. Uh, look late Thursday for an article up from me. It'll almost always have the link back to the uh, article to our podcast embedded in it. You just click on that and sit there and listen. Hey, love it, Tom. And another great article from you. I also saw, you know, Tom puts more than just one article up on the board these days, folks. Uh, he's probably thrown out a couple here in the last week. So make sure you check out all of his great work, all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com as we will keep you posted on any developing Cowboys news into the future. So for Tom, I'm Roy. By God. Stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we will see you in a few weeks. We out. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.